Well, good morning and welcome. Okay, we got like 50 teenagers in the room. We can do better than that. Good morning and welcome. All right, good to see everybody. Good to see, I don't even know how many teenagers with us this morning. And I will just go ahead and note right up front that uh, the teenagers are close to Jesus and the preacher this morning. And uh, some of you adults have slid all the way to the back row. So anyway, just saying, uh, there you go. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, you can tell right away we love our young people. And we are uh, coming off of a, an exciting Disciple Now weekend. More to, we'll tell you more about that later on uh, this morning. We want you to know if you're visiting with us for the first time that we have been captivated by Christ. We have seen in Jesus, through the gospel, the glory of God. We cannot unsee His glory. We've been captivated by Him through the, through the story of His life, death, and resurrection and all that He's done for us in bringing grace and forgiveness and righteousness before a holy God. And we exist as a church to spread that enjoyment that we have of the beauty of Jesus with our world. We want you to see Him today. We want you to see His beauty, and we want you to be captivated by Him as well. So we pray that that will happen for you today. I want to give a thank you to a bunch of people this morning. Thank you to our host families. Uh, thank you to our student leaders who came back from college and uh, all around to, to lead our small groups with our teenagers. Thank you for our prayer warriors. We had a number of people from our church praying over uh, the teenagers and for the Disciple Now weekend. Uh, thank you especially to Stacy for all that she has done in preparation for this weekend and help, helping lead our teens. Uh, also, thank you in advance to the parents of our youth who have prepared our lunch today. And you're all invited. We are doing a uh, lunch to benefit our youth summer camp right after this today. And so uh, stay with us. Uh, donate like you would uh, what you'd spend at the restaurant and uh, help fund our, uh, our kids' summer youth camp. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read from the Word of God. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're going to be talking this morning about the call to courage, and we need to have courage to follow Jesus. Uh, it, it's not easy but even as we were talking during the Sunday school hour, what a joy, what a peace it brings when we walk close with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful that we know the truth of the gospel. I'm so thankful that we've seen the light of the glory of God, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as that text tells us. Uh, it's a privilege to be so soaked in the gospel uh, as, as a culture here. But people that you work with, people that live near you, uh, family members. You have neighbors that don't know Jesus. And also, there are unreached people groups all around the world. Uh, literally, three and a half, 
three and a half billion people who don't know Jesus. They've never heard the gospel. We want to pray for a very small people group today, the Jews of Bulgaria. There's about 2,000 of them, and there are only about two or three known believers among them. Uh, that means, just imagine, it's your job to reach 2,000 people who don't want to hear what you have to say. That's where your brothers and sisters there are. So we want to pray for them. Also, a number of families we're going to join our hearts together uh, in prayer for this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that one day you opened our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus and gave us the gift of faith to trust him and to turn away from sin. God, thank you for your mercy on us in him. Lord, thank you that you will give us the courage to follow. And God, how I pray you give us courage to share Jesus with our neighbors And God, as we pray every Sunday, I pray that you would raise someone up from this room to take the gospel to the unreached peoples of the world. Father, use us all. We are all called to make disciples and to reach the nations. But Father, I pray especially that you would raise up someone who would go where the gospel's never been and tell people for the first time in their history the good news. Father, we pray for the Bulgarian Jews this morning. We pray for our two or three brothers and sisters that are there, surrounded by dead religion, surrounded by a knowledge of God, but not a true knowledge of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would give them boldness and confidence. Lord, this morning we also want to pray for... uh, Individuals and families that are sick and dealing with uh, disease and other things. Lord, we pray for Natalie Johnson, young, just little baby girl, Pat and Johnny's granddaughter and their family. We pray for them as um, Brad and Jessica, her parents, care for her and the grandparents assist. And uh, just pray that you continue to, to, to bring healing to her. Lord, we continue to pray for Jane Anderson, who's uh, healing from back surgery and had to have a follow-up procedure. We pray that the infection would stay away. Uh, We pray for uh, good healing for Van Powell. Lord, we continue to pray for Don Schaefer. Lord, what a wonderful home-going and celebration we had uh, for Sherry Newton this past week. We pray for her family as they continue to grieve, but I thank you that they grieve with hope. Lord, we pray for the family of Patty Moore. And especially this morning, oh God, we pray for the family of Craig Gentry, how we pray for uh, his, his immediate family and also for uh, Johnny and, and Alice this morning and extended family, uh, even in our midst here this morning. Father, we praise you that we can call you Father, not because of who we are or anything we've done, but in spite of who we are and in spite of all that we've done, because Jesus is our righteousness. And Jesus has paid it all for us. Lord Jesus, we want to worship you as the risen and reigning Savior today. So empower us by your Spirit as we sing. Use us as we speak and share testimonies. And open our hearts all together to the Word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we sing. We're excited to see everybody this morning. Let's all join together. We're going to sing, uh, Yes, I Will.
Peter 2.9. These kids have it on the back of their shirts. It's always been one of my favorite verses. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Amen? So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's a privilege. I've said this up here before, actually. Um that you may proclaim the praises. He doesn't demand it of us. He invites us into it, you know. It's a privilege that we get to stand in front of anybody, whether it's on a stage, in a high school locker room, on a football field, in band practice, in a Christian school. It's a privilege that we may proclaim his praises. Amen? Um, we've had a good crazy weekend and um, I just want to start off by thanking everybody involved so that this little wonderful group of teenagers could come and hear about um, the work of Christ this weekend. So if you were on a prayer team as Pam or a host home, um, doing lunch in the kitchen, whatever, would y'all just stand up for a second and just um, let the church thank you just for a second. Let me thank you. Marnie's really mad because I made her stand up. <laughs> We're a little bit alike that way. Um, anyway, um, thank you, really. Um, it's just, I can't tell you what it means to me to see this happening again. A couple years ago, um, we had 
to can we had denial planned and like two weeks before we just had to totally count cancel it and um, it's just great that the Lord's good right so we've got a few teenagers that just wanted to get up and share a little bit about um, what happened this weekend maybe some that are just over the teenage years so if you guys will all come up together and we're just gonna let them um, kind of speak to you guys and tell you what the Lord's been doing this weekend while you're all here, let's face it, y'all don't want to hear me. Hmm? You don't have to. You can stand down there. But you have to I'm going to let Rachel go first. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Stacy. So um, this year was my first year, like, being a leader. And that was just, like, rewarding in itself because I've always been a kid and, like, just got to see it from that perspective. So that was really awesome, and I loved every bit of that. But one of the, she asked us to like give a takeaway or like something that we got was like special or whatever from this weekend. And they called us last night. They were like, all the college leaders like come, or they were like doing the salvation part. And they told us to all stand up front so that these kids would have familiar faces. And I was like, okay, like that's me. I'm going up there. So um, I went and I stood, I was like rotten center. And that was just like a special moment too, like just seeing everybody like worshiping and down on their knees and praying and stuff. But there was this little girl in the front and she was like with her friends, I don't even know what church she was with, didn't know her name. And she just started crying. And I was like, I gotta talk to her, like she needs it. And so she's like just standing there crying. Her friends are like, go down there, go down there. And she's like, no, I'm not going, no, I'm not going. And I was like, okay, like, I gotta go. Like, I'll bring her down. And then she, like, looks at her friends. She's like, I'm going to the bathroom. And I was like, no, please don't go to the bathroom. Like, do not go to the bathroom, because then I'm gonna have to chase you. And so they're like, no, like, go up there, go up there. And she's like, no, I'm not going. Like, I gotta go to the bathroom. So she goes to the bathroom. And I was like, like, I looked at Rachel. I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> I was like, I have to go get her. So I went to the bathroom. Found her. She was like, there's like four other girls in there, and she's like hugging them, and they're like, oh, she just needed a hug. I was like, no, I was like, she needs to be down there. And she was like, I was like, do you like need to go? I was like, are you scared? Like, do you want to go? And I was like, I'll go with you. And she's like, okay, yeah, I want to go. And I was telling them, I don't know if this was like the first question I should have asked, but I was like, are you saved? And she said no. And I was like, do you want to be? And she said yes. And I could just tell, you know, like that that's what she needed. So. I brought her down to the altar. I was like, you know, like, come out here in front because she wanted to stand on the side. I was like, no, like, keep walking. Like, we're going to the center. So brought her and knelt down with her and prayed the sinner's prayer. And I don't know where her heart was, but I know where mine was, and I know that Jesus has her in her hands. And we prayed the sinner's prayer, and she accepted Christ. So. Okay, I'm Lucy. If you guys don't know me, if you don't know me, I'm sure you know someone in my family. Um, so, like, this is my aunt. So, Stacey told us Wednesday night that she knew this was going to be a great weekend because everything that could have gone wrong the week before did go wrong. So, um, she was right. It was a really great weekend. We had a really great group, and I really felt God moving and that we were all supposed to be there. So, it was a great weekend overall. Um, one moment that was really special to me, it kind of was Friday night and Saturday morning but Friday night I noticed this girl worshiping beside me I had never seen her before I didn't know anything about her I didn't know what church she went to and 
she just really stood out to me. So I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't speak to her. I was just next to her, and that's all it was. So Saturday morning, I keep seeing this girl. She's still standing out to me, and I knew that I wanted to go talk to her. I didn't know what I wanted to talk to her about. I didn't know what I needed to say to her. And so eventually, the preacher there, he was making us all get up, all go move, and sit next to someone we didn't know. So this was my chance to go talk to this girl. So we go the first round to switch seats, and she sits with someone in my group. And we couldn't sit with someone in our group, so I couldn't go talk to her. So we switch a second time. I don't see this girl anywhere. We switch a third time, and I spot this girl. I'm ready. I'm going to go up to this girl. And these two little sweet middle schoolers jumped in front of me. and like, hi, do you want to sit with us? So of course I had to sit with them and talk to them, which was great. I know God did want me to talk to them too. But so I'm still thinking about this girl. So this is the last time we switched seats. So I was kind of like, oh, man. So we go up to the front and worship. I cannot get this girl off my mind. And I just, I couldn't even worship. I couldn't even get through the psalm because I was thinking about her. And also I noticed that she was sitting in the seats because most of the worship, we were all up at the front next to the stage. She had been at the stage every song we'd sang except this one song, she was in the seats. So I was like, man, I have to go talk to this girl now. So I go up, I go and find her. I was like, hi, my name's Lucy. Said, I don't know you, but God has really put it on my heart to come pray with you. And I asked if there's anything I could pray with her about. And she told me her name. She told me that she was in a season of waiting currently. And she told me a little bit about her season. And so we sat there and we held hands and we prayed and we were both just crying. It was just a really special moment to me. And I was able to talk to her throughout the rest of the day and I saw her several times. But I'm just so thankful that I went up to her and talked to her because I know if I passed on that opportunity, I would have regretted it. So if God is speaking to you to go talk to someone, you may not know them, you may see them every day, but I urge you to take that call because you will regret it if you don't. Uh, my name is Anna Waddell. Um, I don't have an awesome story like these two <laughs> beautiful ladies, but um, a big takeaway, I know for me and most of our group, um, we did a lot of work in our hearts in our small group, um, and we got a lot from the words as well, but we talked a lot about, for young people, it's really hard to stay on a straight path and to not care about what other people think, about what you think, and so we talked about, um, in the song it says, although none go with me, still I will follow. So um, that was just a big thing that I took away was um, being persistent on the people who aren't invested, but keeping those who are invested around you. Um, and just always keeping to what the Lord wants you to do and helping those around you. So. Okay, so I'm Isaiah, and the uh, takeaway that I got from Denial this weekend was uh, it's kind of going off what Anna said, is that you really need to center your life around people who are also believers, and um, by no means that doesn't mean you can't be friends with people that aren't believers, like Mason said to us earlier, but it's best to keep those people around you, and uh, the reason I'm kind of like being led to talk about this is because before Denial, I felt really distant in my relationship with Christ. And I like acknowledged that and I knew it and I told Connor about it before D now. And so we got together and we like did a small like study in the Bible and uh, D now was just really rejuvenating for me to be around people that were um, also going through what I was going through. Um, it just, it, it really brings everyone together to be able to share 
whenever you don't feel comfortable sharing with people that you're not used to. Like it's much easier to talk to teenagers that go through the same things that I go through than talk to say my mom or my dad because they understand it from like a perspective that I have because they're going through these similar experiences. And so D-Now was just a great opportunity to like rejuvenate my faith and bring it back up from what it was. Okay, so uh, my name is Britt and I'm a senior in high school. So this is uh, like my last D-Now. And uh, in our small group, we had like the older high schoolers and uh, Martin kind of talked about like how, like, as we go out into the world, we can show uh, our faith in Christ and just show how we live for Christ. And uh, Friday night in small group, he asked us, uh, like, who is Christ? And uh, we got to thinking, and it was like, um, uh, Jesus is God in the flesh, and there's God, and you have the Holy Spirit. And when you accept the Holy Spirit into your heart, you are the Holy Spirit. So you have Jesus and God in yourselves. And that's like kind of, that really stuck with me and I, I just felt like I needed to say something um, about how like we have the Holy Spirit in our heart and we need to go and spread the Holy Spirit to non-believers um, through us. And uh, in the Bible it says, go make disciples of all nations, but um, you don't necessarily have to travel across the world um, you know, there's people that you may work with, go to school with, uh, and even your friends that are non-believers um, that you can share the gospel with and share Christ, and it might change your life. So that's just something I felt I needed to say. I feel like most of y'all in here know me. I'm Mason Penland, if you don't. But uh, so leading up to this week, like we've kind of, it seems like we've all had very similar weeks, which is kind of funny, but leading up to this week, I mean, I felt like anything that could have been thrown at me was thrown at me. And I remember going down 75 on the way here and seeing a little turn off to go back to Tifton. And I was like, I could turn right here and head back, you know, like it wouldn't, it, I'm only an hour away, but I'm so thankful I came. I mean, just seeing the way that the kids took it seriously. I've been around a lot of youth groups and I've, been with some in Tifton and like our youth group by far I'm not just saying that they seem to be so Christ-centered and take it very seriously like it's not a joke to them one thing we've been harping on with them this week is just being around like-minded Christian people like it says in Matthew 18:20, where two or three are gathered in my name I will be with you so that's been a huge role for this weekend and the kids have really taken to it well I don't know if I'm too close to the microphone or not I don't use one of these all the time but um the one thing I just wanted to get up here and I felt led to do was just kind of challenge the church like these kids are the future of the church not just the church here but our church as followers of Christ and just invent like this is my first time really coming back here and being in a leadership role I mean I was in the youth group a little bit but you're, you're held to a different standard now and it is just so rewarding to see how the Lord's working in these kids lives and it's something that I can't wait to come back and do next year so that's something I just wanted to leave y'all with and challenge y'all Good morning. Uh, Stacy was kind. She said a couple of people a little bit past their teenage years, and I'm a lot past my teenage years. So uh, my bride and I were a host home for 
middle school girls. So uh, it was a lot milder of a weekend than I thought it would be. It was actually a joy watching these young ladies uh, grow in Christ. And, and uh, we had one at our house that was saved on Thursday night too. So um, it's, it was a great weekend. I had no idea I would be up here this morning, um, but this is kind of like my Spike moment. You guys remember the story that Bill told last night about Spike. So um, the seed for this was planted yesterday um, when Leslie and I were having a conversation with somebody, and she said, well, that you can use as part of your testimony for some of these kids that may be in the same, same boat. So... And <clears throat> let me back up a second, and I'll tell you the story of Spike so that the adults in the room that weren't there aren't too confused. So Bill, the speaker for the weekend, uh, excellent, did an excellent job, had some excellent messages, but he told a story about in the late 80s when he was um, fresh into the ministry and he led a group, they were in Birmingham at the time, they led a group to Six Flags on part of a D-Now weekend. There was a big Christian concert and lots of things going on, and they get to Six Flags and there's like 50,000 people there. It's jam packed and, um, you know, they have to wait and, and all these things. And so he says they get unloaded and they have their little meeting with the kids. You know, everybody meet back at this point. You know, it's obviously before the time of cell phones and all that. So they disperse everyone and he says he, he looks over and there's this group of skinheads and this young lady that's dressed with five giant spikes in her hair so he nicknamed her spike and he said she had on all the spiky jewelry and stuff so he said the holy spirit told him he said you need to go tell her about me and he's like no 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 like you know he's like 20ish years old and he kind of put it off argue with god and I remind you there's 50,000 people at six flags he said i didn't even see my youth group all day he proceeded to see this girl six more times and even at the end of the day he said she was by herself and he said she looked at him and smiled or he said he could have been looking past her he didn't really know he never really he never went and approached the girl he said it was late he was there on the way back to Birmingham he was driving a bus and all the kids had passed out and he he broke down and cried on the way home and just he said, I've prayed for that girl to this day. But so, and I think you said, don't be afraid to approach. Which one was it, Lucy? Yeah. She, Lucy was talking about a spike moment too a minute ago. Don't be afraid to approach someone when the Holy Spirit tells you to. So I, I feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me I've got a spike in the room. I may have more than one spike in the room. I don't know who it is, but you'll see in a minute. So. The way I see the weekend, well, let me back up a little bit more. I've, I've argued with God, too, that I don't need to do this this morning. And this happened and that happened and confirmation of this and confirmation of that. And I started to tell my wife this morning, i got to speak this morning, but I didn't because I was still arguing with God. So I took accountability a little bit ago. I went ahead and told Chad. I was like, hey, Chad, i got something on my heart i got to say. That way I couldn't back out, okay? So, so here I am. So we'll get back to my spike in just a second. The way I saw the weekend go, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I got as much out of it as I, I think these kids did. Um, but 
each of y'all could could be in one of three categories and and my spike will be in the last category so we'll come back to that in a second so the first category is you knew Jesus or you came to know Jesus this weekend and you grew in your relationship with him and that's excellent and I hope that's I really hope that's everybody in the room um, but I'll encourage you to take that next step don't let the fire that was started in you this weekend or that grew in you this weekend go away start a discipleship group do something be bold for Christ do something to further that step secondly as Bill told on Friday evening he told the story of his salvation and it was it was one that we hear somewhat often these days where as a child he was at church he was baptized his brother was baptized his dad was baptized and you know he part of the church he went through all the motions but it was only later in life that he truly came to know Christ. He did, he did not have a true relationship with Christ at the time that he had gone through the motions. There's a lot of people in church going through the motions. They're living off grandpa's faith. They're living off mom and daddy's faith. But they don't have faith. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Make sure that's not you because, just a second, read you a verse. This was my only prep about 10 minutes ago. So. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells us, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now part of this verse where he says, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons, or perform miracles? You could replace that today with, did we not help at Sunday school? Did we not help at vacation Bible school? Did we not take food to the needy? Okay, all those things are wonderful. But if you do those absent of a true relationship with Christ, you're going straight to hell with somebody that's an atheist. So, again, focus on that relationship. Now, lastly, this circles back to my spike. Growing up, I didn't do D now. I wasn't in church. Occasionally, I would go vacation Bible school as a little child. It was fun. I had no idea what was going on. I would spend the night with a friend that went to church on a Saturday and we would go to church on Sunday. And somewhere around, I don't know, eight or nine years old, I would go to those church services and I would hear the gospel and then something would be dealing with me in my heart. And I didn't know what it was, but it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. I just couldn't connect the dots yet though. Um, I thought church was weird because every time I went, felt uncomfortable but it was the Holy Spirit dealing with me so on down we go I meet my future bride uh, just a little bit before my 18th birthday and we start dating and I start attending church with her and thankfully with her and her family 
I became to truly know the gospel and I connected all the dots and I was saved just shy of my 18th birthday and I continue to grow in my relationship to this day. It's not been one of these stock chart lines that you like to see. It's been one of these, okay? And that's the way it'll be for all y'all too. But my point is, if you're my spike this morning, you're trying to connect all the dots. You're having a hard time with it. Don't struggle with that on your own. Come see one of these young men or women, me, Chad, somebody up here, but don't, don't struggle with that on your own. We can unpack the gospel with you and, and help you find Christ as your Savior. So that, if somebody's my spike, you know exactly right now because your heart's about to jump out of your chest just as it was when I was just shy of 18 and I accepted Christ. So I will close in prayer for all these young men and women and then we'll get back to worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this weekend. Appreciate the opportunity to serve, as I know many here have. And I appreciate the desire of these young men and women to want to grow in you and the, for those that have come into a relationship with you, God. And I just pray that they continue to lean into you, Lord, and that they find close friends that they can lean in on each other with and grow in their relationship, God. I pray for them as they go out from here back to high schools and college and middle schools, Lord, and that they would not be afraid and they would be bold in sharing the gospel, God. We thank you for these churches that put this together and all the, all the time given, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Let's stand together and uh, we're going to sing King of Kings. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from Fulfill the 
joy for the morning, O oh, sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow, the heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, the heaven can't heal. Father, how we praise you that we can indeed come as we are. There's nothing we can do to fix who we are or how we are. And so we come as we are, Lord, thanking you for your grace and mercy that welcomes us. And as we trust Jesus, Lord, you change us and continue to change us all the way until the day we see you. Father, thank you for your presence among us this morning. Thank you for how you're speaking to us through the body as we just hear your, your power at work in our lives. God, I pray that now you'd speak to us clearly from your word and that we would answer the call to courage. For Jesus, you and you alone are worthy of all that we are. And we give ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me check with somebody. Children's Church today? Yes. We'll be dismissed to Children's Church. As they are making their way out, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. It'll be a minute before we get there, but Joshua chapter 1 is where you can turn. Well, you've already seen what a weekend of D-Now we had. D-Now 22, it's been a sweet time. Betsy and I had the privilege of hosting a house full of awesome young men uh, for the first time. We'd never been a host home, and uh, we understand a little better why some of you looked the way, always look the way you look after D-Now weekends, uh, and you can look at us and see how we look, and this is what happens when you have uh, eight teenagers in your home all weekend. Uh, also, your refrigerator is very empty at the end of that weekend, and so uh, we'll be going uh, to dinner right out here today and uh, in the hallway. Our theme this weekend was the call, how God calls each of us in different ways. We looked at the call to the cross from Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. Paul said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for His sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them rubbish, dung, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, 
but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's what it means. That's how you talk. That's how you live if you've answered the call to the cross. But then we talked about the call to the church, Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, talk about our relationships within the body of Christ and how we're to, to relate to one another. Paul says there that, that speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we talked about when we answer the call to the church, we are saying yes to one another. We are saying yes to God and, and the cross first, but then to one another. We're loving and we're going to serve. We're going to help. We're going to use our gifts to minister one to another, even as we've been challenged already this morning. But then we talked about our, uh, the call to go, to go to our neighbors and to the nations. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 7, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure, this message of Jesus, this, this story of God's grace in Christ. We have that treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so it is for us, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We've been called to go. The call to the cross, the call to the church, the call to go. That's what we've been talking about this weekend. And of course, you all realize that God's call on our lives in these three ways is for all of us. Amen, church? Not just for these young folks. In fact, they are looking to us for an example of what living out the call actually looks like in real time, in real life, by the call that is you and me. And so for a few minutes this morning as we wrap up D now and head home, actually to lunch, then home, then school, then work tomorrow to follow Jesus' call, we need to think about Finally, this morning, guys, the call to courage. Because if you're going to answer the call to the cross, if you're going to answer the call to the church, if you're going to answer the call to go, it's going to take some courage. Amen? It's going to take some courage. It's not easy. Joshua chapter 1, and also at the end we'll refer to verses 20, chapters 23 and 24. From this first, the first nine verses of Joshua 1, here's the truth I want you to take home. As we think about the call to courage, we have been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the gospel of grace. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will not fail you or abandon you. 
be strong and courageous. Listen to how many times he says that, young people in particular, but church as a whole. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, to, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction. We call that the Bible. Continually meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For, second time he said it, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he's going to be with you as you answer the call. He'll give you courage as you answer the call. Church, he'll be with you. He is with you. How does Joshua's call translate and apply into our daily lives? What does it mean to live courageously? as gospel witnesses. We know the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, the last thing he said before he lifted off and went to the Father's right hand, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is our charge as the church, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus Christ. No exceptions. We're all responsible to live that out. Amen. Go and make disciples. I want you to note three truths about courageous conquering from the life of Joshua. First of all, we must, if we're to answer the call of courage, if we are to live courageously for Jesus, we must stand in the power of God's presence. Stand in the power of God's presence. After the death of Moses, verses 1 and 2, the Lord's Servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He, he said to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, even an untested, brand new, young servant can stand in the face of uncertainty if he or she is standing in the power of God's presence. The reality that God is with me. Moses is dead. Joshua has no clue what he's about to face. Joshua had watched Moses' difficulties and his struggles, and yet Joshua is ready to go, not because he's ready in himself, not because he has the capability in and of himself, but because God has promised to go with him. So if you leave this D-Now weekend, teenagers, with confidence, the only reason to have confidence is because you know that you know that you know that God goes with you. But a certain reason to have confidence is that God says He will be with you. A.W. Pink says, Nothing honors Him, that is our Father, more than the unquestioning confidence of our hearts when everything outward seems thoroughly against us. That was Joshua's response to uncertainty. 
over and over and over again. He kept believing God. He kept believing what God promises him here in his call that he would be with him. And indeed he was, as you read one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Joshua, and see the conquest of the, of the land of Canaan as God leads Joshua one step at a time. What about us? We're called to live this way, commanded in fact. Remember? Go make disciples. Go in the power of the gospel and conquer the nations for Christ with the, with the good news of His grace. But the verses we didn't read around, surrounding the Great Commission, it's interesting, the Great Commission, the, the two verses we read, verses 19 and 20, go make disciples, teach them, baptize them, all that. It's bookended by two verses, 18 and 20. Verse 18 starts off, and it says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. He tells them that before he says, Go and make disciples and do all these things. Why? You need to understand that the one who's given you the command, telling you what to do, has got the authority over the whole world, reigns over everything, so that as you go to do what I tell you to do, I am reigning over everyone you'll ever tell about Jesus. And then he ends it with verse 20 when he says, And behold, go make disciples, and behold, check it out, don't miss this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Not only do I rule over all things, that's why I can tell you and and give you assurance, go make disciples, but here's what I want you to know. Now that you have got the big picture, you're you're, you're to make disciples of of the whole world, all nations. But don't forget, I am with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll always be present with you. We must stand in the power of God's presence. We have been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the, with the gospel of grace. How did Joshua do it? How do we stand firm in the face of uncertainty? By standing in the power of God's presence. Jesus is always with us. Secondly, Joshua was able to conquer because he learned to stand on the promises of God, verses 3 and 4. I promise you, God says, what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I've given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites. I promise you. Joshua learned to stand on the promises of God. And what he said was, when you cross the Jordan and enter the land, here's the deal. No, no, it doesn't matter where you step. Here's the deal. That land, where every step you take, you're going to be on land that I'm giving you. That means you're going to defeat your enemies, and at the end of the day, you'll possess this land. And if we were to flip over to Joshua 21... Verses 43 to 45, we learn that that's exactly what happened. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he'd sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. He promised, and he fulfilled his promise. He promised, and he kept his word. When God commands you and I to go make disciples of all nations, uh, when he tells us in his word that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, what do you think would happen if we went and told people about Jesus, explained what he's done for them? They'll get saved. Hello? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. 
Jesus said he's going to build his church. How's he going to build it? He's going to build it through me and you, sharing the gospel, making disciples of all nations, teaching them how to obey and follow him. Now, does that mean every person you share the gospel is going to get saved? No. You're going to have friends at school that reject what you say. They're, just, they're going to think you're crazy. Go ahead and prepare for that. Jesus, in fact, told us that. Some people hate you for it. But somewhere in the mix, somebody from every nation in the world will believe the gospel as it's preached. Isn't that amazing? We can stand on the promises of God. God's promises are unstoppable. Unstoppable. The gospel of Jesus Christ, hear me, it will prevail. Jesus said, I will build my church. Who's the church made of? People who believe the gospel. How will he build his church and, and fill it with people who believe the gospel? As you and I go around the world preaching the gospel. Sharing the story of Christ beginning right here in Gilmer High School, Clear Creek Middle School, your workplace, your homes, your neighborhoods. God's promises can make God's people unstoppable if we trust and obey Him. You know, Joshua's life, you need to go read the book of Joshua. God has some, 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 he has some weird assignments for Joshua. One of them you're familiar with. I'm giving you the city of Jericho, but let me tell you how we're going to fight this battle. For, seven day, for six days, once a day, you're going to circle the city. You're going to march around the city. You're going to blow trumpets and whatever. Day seven, you're actually going to make seven trips around the city, blow your trumpets. And when you do all that, this is the, this is, you understand this is a war strategy. Like this is a military strategy God's given Joshua. That, after that seventh time on the seventh day, the walls are just going to fall down. And you're going to climb over the rocks, and you're going to kill everybody inside, and you'll own the city. Say what? I mean, Military-wise, that makes no sense. You know, sometimes we think that way about the gospel, don't we? We, we, we think that telling a story about Jesus, like how can there be power in that? Well, because God's in that. <laughs> how can there be power in marching around the wall? I mean, here's the thing. God wrecked the walls. You, you understand that? Well, there wasn't any kind of geologic thing happening that, you know, so many people were walking on the walls, you know, just, you know, whatever. There was some science in that, and God needed science. And, I mean, no, God, God smashed the walls on day seven. The whole point was, do you trust me to do it my way and, so I can show you my power? Remember what we said a while ago? We are jars of clay. Why? Why does God put a treasure like Jesus and the gospel in, <laughs> you know, dirt bags like us? Why? So that the power is clearly from him, not us. Same deal. We have been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the gospel of grace. Do you want to be truly courageous? Stand in the power of God's presence, but also stand on the powerful promises of God. Thirdly, and finally, Joshua was able to courageously conquer because he learned to stand in obedience to the Word of God. It's going to take that. So what this standing is all about is obedience, isn't it? Not just standing in the, not just knowing God is with you, not just believing His promises, but then there's stuff to be done and you've got to obey. We, we have to stand in the obedience to the Word of God. Verses 6 through 9, Joshua's commanded, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. So that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's our problem with the Bible sometimes as Christians. You, you were wondering, weren't you? We have so understood the gospel, and that is a good thing. We know. Is there anybody in the room? Let me just, just poll the room. Is there anybody in the room who thinks you can, you can be good enough to get into heaven? Anybody? Kind of got the feeling that the answer would be wrong if you raised your hand, right? So, no, we, 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 know, we know we can't do stuff. So, we know our obedience doesn't get us to heaven, right? And so, here's kind of what we do with the Bible sometimes. We know it's all by grace, and so we just say, you know, praise God. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. I'm just going to live my life. Praise God. I mean, it's, it's all by grace. Listen, I mean, all this, all this obedience stuff, I mean, I, I don't want to be legalistic. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to start, you know, feeling like I'm doing something to add my salvation, so I'm just going to not really worry about my reading the Bible today. I'm not really worry about obeying Jesus' statement. I mean, I, I mean, let's get real. That's real. Amen? Hello? Oh, it's not real for you. Okay. Pastor confession, then. It's just real for me. He doesn't say meditate on it day and night so that you can earn something with God. He says meditate on it day and night so that you can obey it continually. And in the context of this whole chapter, what is so clear is it's, it's so that your life will be all that it can be. Our God is a good, good Father. He, 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 won't, he doesn't tell us to do and not do things to cramp our style, to wreck our fun. He shows us the right way to live, the best way to live, truly the best Absolutely the best way to conduct our lives on planet Earth. It's found right here. That's why you need to know it. Stand in obedience to the Word of God. Young people in church members, do you have that time daily? You eat every day. It in your heart, in your soul, it in your mind, a whole lot more important than your body. Absolutely. Your heart affects everything you do. From it, the, well, the, the, the wellsprings of life come, the, the Scriptures tell us. Are you feeding your own heart with the Word of, gospel, of, of the Gospel in Scripture? Feed on it. Stand in obedience to the Word of God. Again, A.W. Pink says, God's promises are not meant to set aside His precepts, but rather are given to encourage us to do with all our heart and might whatever He's bidden us. God's promises should never make you passive. What God promises to, to, to you, what he tells you he's going to do for you, should never make you say, okay, God, just do it. I'm just going to sit right here on the couch and let you bless me, let you take care of everything. No, he, he also gives you precepts, commands. And his promises are never meant to set aside his precepts. Rather, they're given to encourage us to do with all our hearts and might whatever he's bidding us. Obedience, you see, is the place God has promised to bless his people. That's why James would remind us in James 1 verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Young people, the reason I'm preaching on the call to courage this morning is you've heard, you've heard, you've heard some strong calls to the cross, to the church, to go. 
You've heard a lot of word this weekend, amen? A lot of God's word. For most of us, more than we hear in a given week, amen? Here's the deal. If you just hear that word and don't go out and do it, by the way, church, this is true for you every Sunday, amen? Hello. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Then it's useless. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. In fact, you know what it is? It's you're lying to yourself that you've, that's something that's actually productive and profitable happened in your life. Because if you just hear it and do nothing with it, James says you're deceiving yourself. True for you guys. True for us adults. You see, and Joshua got that. Right after God gives him these commands... In the, in the very next verse, Joshua 1, verse 10, it says, And Joshua commanded the offers of the people. And, 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 he, and he, he goes on to basically what God said they were fixing to do. Joshua just turned around from God and looked at the people and said, Hey, God said, and here's what we're doing. He got with it. He stood in obedience to the Word of God. He immediately did what God said. A.W. Pink, you can tell I like him. He's good on this passage. He said this, delay itself is disobedience. Delay is itself disobedience. When we stand debating instead of doing, reasoning instead of running, something is seriously wrong. When I talk to myself like this, you know, Sarandi, as you were saying earlier, Spirit of God, I hear you, but you know what? I'm, and, and I'm good with that tomorrow. I hear you, but not right now. You might as well say no to God because it's the same thing. You did say no to God because God's speaking to you in the here and now. And, and, and whether that be by the Holy Spirit reminding you of something in Scripture, showing you how to apply a Scripture in a relationship, or whether it be directly you're reading the Word of God and, and God speaks to you, you know what you read right there is for you in, in, a, in a given situation. Delay itself is disobedience. Spurgeon said, we are too often haste to sin. Oh, that we may be in a greater hurry to obey God. We run to sin. We crawl to obedience sometimes. But I want you to get this connection. We must be standing on those powerful promises of God in order to stand in obedience to Him. We need His promises. It all goes together. Do you get it? We need to stand in the power of His presence. We need to stand on the promises of God. And as we do those two things, we are ready and empowered by Him to stand in obedience to Him. Our obedience must be empowered by His promises. Our obedience must be an act of faith and dependent on, of independence on Him who is with us. And here's the thing, guys. It can be every single time. Now, for most of us, we know what we need to be doing. We know what God has called us to. We simply need to get to it. I praise God for at least one or two that I'm aware of in, 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 in our group here that have answered the call of the cross this week, this weekend. Some of you, maybe for the first time, are beginning to answer the call to the church. That is to say, as even some of you are testifying up here, you're looking around, you're realizing, look, we're, this ain't just about me and Jesus, this is about us. And, and, and me, I'm responsible for my friends. My friends, we're responsible for each other. Uh, even as Randy and I share, share, share life in a D group together, we're responsible for one another. We hold each other accountable as grown men. And by the way, grown men and, and women need the same thing teenage boys and girls need. Amen? Don't say it soft. Amen? 
and I'm looking around at, at gray heads nodding. I, I mean, I'm not talking about just 50-year-olds or 30-year-olds. I'm talking 70-year-olds. Listen, life really doesn't change a whole lot. It's all the same. It just looks different in our age. We just learned to keep our mouth shut instead of telling everybody how stupid we are and how often we fall in sin. Amen? Another good time for the senior adults to say amen. I thank God for that because I'm telling you, you need each other. But, but not only that, some, some of you may be answering the call to go. Now, that may just be going to that student at school that didn't come to Dean Allen this weekend, but you know who he is, you know who she is, you've already been praying for him this weekend. See, the Spirit of God does that. You don't have to have a preacher tell you to do that. The Spirit of God does that, and you, and you know which class you have with them on Monday and, or where, you can sit, where they sit in the lunchroom, and, and you, you can get with them. And you know you're called to go and talk to them. Well, go, absolutely go. Do it with a sense of his presence. Stand in the power of God's presence. He'll go with you. He'll never, Jesus promised you. Either he's, either he's the Savior and the, true, the true, true God in the flesh, or he's a liar. And he said he would never leave you. Behold, I'm with you always. So he'll be right there with you. But then stand on the promises of God. The truth that Someone you talk to about Jesus, people you talk to about Jesus, some of them will believe. And it could be that since the Spirit of God is leading you to that person, that that person may in fact be the one who will believe. But even if it isn't, that person will be the one that sees the beauty of Jesus and you'll have been faithful, leaving the results up to God. Maybe, some, maybe God's called one of you students, maybe someone in this room even, God's been working in your heart, and, and, and you feel the call to go, not just to your neighbors. You're doing that already, but you want to take the gospel to some place where it's never been heard. Billions of people who've never even heard the name of Jesus don't have access to the Scriptures in their own language, and God's calling you to do that. You know what God's calling you to do. we just got to get to it. We've been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the gospel of grace. We know, we know that Christ has told us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, which includes loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's the great commandment. We know that the key way that we love both God and others is by extending God's glory through the telling of others about the only Savior, God's Son, Jesus Christ, the great commission that we looked at a moment ago. And we know that Jesus promised to be with us always. He gave us the great comfort when he said he'd send his spirit who would never leave us, Joshua lived all this out. At the end of his life, and we're not going to take time to read this now, but you can check it out later in chapter 23. At the end of his life, Joshua reminds the Israelites of God's faithfulness. He goes through their, their whole history, unfolds all that God had done during the years uh, as he was leading them into the promised land. In chapter 24, the Lord himself, through Joshua, recounts, not just those years, but the whole history of Israel, from Abraham's calling right through the conquest of the promised land. And then in verse 13, God says, Joshua 24, 13, I gave you a land on which you had not, on which you had not labored in cities which you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Grace is the picture. Then Joshua says, Now therefore... 
Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Joshua's about to die. And here's his charge to the nation of Israel. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The truly courageous stand on the promises of God and live boldly in the power of God as they serve others in the love of God and faithfully proclaim the gospel of God to a lost and dying world. We have been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the gospel of grace. We've been in this passage as a church a lot lately, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the gospel, in view of the cross, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, I don't know exactly what that living sacrifice thing looks like exactly for you in your life. Scripture's full of stuff that it needs to look like for all of us and apply different ways. But I know that no matter what you face... It includes enjoying God's grace in Jesus so you can express his love to others even as you extend his glory in the world. Here's the question this morning, teenagers in church. Will you answer God's call to courage? He'll give you all the courage you need to answer the call to the cross, to answer the call to the church, and to answer the call to go. He even gives you the courage. Isn't that amazing? You know, maybe you came away from those three messages this weekend and like, man, there's so much. This is big. The, the, the task is great. But then this morning you hear this truth. God will give you the courage to do all of that. And I should just let this young brother come up here and preach because he started a message in Sunday school, Sunday school hour. We had the privilege of having, um, as I told you, the freshman boys in, in our house. And uh, one of their student leaders, Nate, was... Uh, Speaking during the Sunday school hour, we were just kind of sharing about the weekend together here, here earlier before you got here for church. And, and he was just talking about um, a passage in Ezekiel. I don't even know what the passage is, but I'm just quoting Nate. There you go. No plagiarism here, Nate. It's, it's all, all the credit for this goes to, to Nate. And he's talking about him and his dad having a conversation about, about um, Ezekiel. The question in our minds right now is this. Are you going to answer God's call to courage? And there's a vision given there of, of God taking Ezekiel, Nate said, by the hair of the head and carrying him to a river, and he put him in ankle deep and then knee deep, and finally, before long, he's swimming. And, and Nate made this statement. These young people have the opportunity to go deeper with Jesus than many of us adults has ever, have ever gone. Some of you teenagers have been ankle deep. But you know that after this, there needs to be another step. And the truth is, there's some gray heads that may only be ankle deep. Ankle deep won't do. Swimming is what we're called to in the kingdom and in the things of the kingdom, in the things of the gospel. And God wants to take you there. Will you let him? Will you, will you go into the goodness of God ever deeper? There's a sad ending to the story of Joshua, you have to turn the page into the book of Judges. And in Judges 2, verses 10 through 12, it tells us this. So Joshua dies. And in, in Judges 2, verse 10, it says, After that generation died, that is, the ones that followed Joshua, that lived under his leadership. Listen to what it says. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. 
the Israelites did evil in the sight in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. And what's so amazing about that is if, you, if, you, if, you could just, if, you, if we could have just read the whole book of Joshua right quick, and you could see all that God did. And, and here's the story. It's like saying that that my generation lived through the conquest of Canaan. I watched God do all these crazy things. People walking around the walls, walls falling. All those kind of things. I saw God stop the sun, make it stand still. And, and it's like saying that I didn't do, as my generation, didn't do a good enough job passing that truth on so that my kids forgot who he was. And, and, and you understand, I'm not talking to them right now. Will the next generation know our God because of how we talk about him at home, how we walk with him at home? Let me tell you something. If you're dependent on this preacher in this church to disciple your kids, you've you got a rude awakening coming. We want to help you all we can. We're going to meet a prospective youth pastor here in about 30, 40 minutes. But how pathetic is that story? How can it be that my kids... One generation, they would forget who God was and all that he'd just done. I mean, listen to me. We're not five, ten years out from the mighty acts of God. It could happen to you. It could happen to me. We've been commissioned by Jesus himself to courageously conquer with the power of the gospel of grace. The choice is ours, but the power is his. May we make the courageous choice to depend on him completely as we go into the future together. Ephesians 3 tells us more. One, one last thing about this God as we close. Now to him who's able to do. What's he able to do? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This morning, we have the opportunity to surrender to his call on our lives, whatever that is. Even as we draw now, draw near to him and, and he to us through the Lord's Supper. The scriptures tell us as we prepare our hearts to come, that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill. And there at the church of Corinth, some had even died. God had judged them, taking them home. Because they were playing games, not just with a little grape juice and a piece of bread, but with what they represent in the body of Jesus broken for us. And so as we come to this table, this is a table for those who trust Jesus as their Savior. This is not a table where you come just because everybody else is coming. It's not just a denial thing to do. If you don't trust him as Savior, don't come. Just hear the message of the gospel preached as we 
his people come. Let's pray together. Father, search our hearts. Prepare us now for this time of communion with you. I praise you that you've given us this beautiful illustration and living meal to illustrate for us what Jesus has done. Lord, your word makes it clear there's, there's no magic in the bread and the juice, but oh, what a deep communion it is when we come and, and with our hearts do what we do with our mouths. Just as, as we depend on f- food and drink to sustain us, we come and we eat the body of Christ and drink the blood of Christ, figuratively, symbolically speaking, in order that we might demonstrate what's going on inside and in a fresh way, in a physical way, be reminded to trust Him with all that we are and to trust Him alone for our salvation. So God, even now, come and commune with us. Call us ever deeper. And in this moment, help each one of us to surrender to whatever it is you may be calling us to today. Give us the courage we need. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Also in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke that bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This meal that the Lord gave us the night before he died, he converted the Passover meal into the Lord's table, and he, and he basically said, my body is true food, John 6. My body is true food. My blood is true drink. The only thing that can save your soul is me going to the cross. My body being broken, my blood being shed. And that's exactly what happened. He was buried. The third day, he rose again. And even as that last verse says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death as the way of salvation. And then the last three words, until he comes, he's alive and he's coming back. We celebrate his victory in the cross and resurrection and we celebrate his coming. And in a fresh way, we consecrate ourselves to his service. Amen? That's what this is all about. And so this morning... As we come to the table, here's how we're going to do this. We've got what we call the COVID cups up here. Everything's in one. There's a piece of bread. There's uh, grape juice in the bottom. If you're visiting with us and you're a believer, we want you to join us. We're all family here, so come to the table. There's two layers, though. You need to know about these cups. You'll, get, uh, you'll stain your clothes. Top, cup is, or top, top layer is clear. That gets you to, to the bread. Do that one first. Then do the juice. That way you won't end up wearing um, the grape juice. So this is, this is the, um, the Lord's table. We invite you to come. We'll just start right over here. Uh, Alan, you lead the way. Come to the table even as we sing. We'll just work this, this section and then D now, crew, you, you come next and we'll work right on around.
And indeed, may we live in remembrance. Amen. Father, thank you for your grace in Christ and for the power of the cross and the resurrection and for the truth that that power through the person of the Holy Spirit lives in us. Change us and use us for you are worthy. Lord, we pray for the, the meal after the time with uh, our prospective youth pastor that follows. Thank you for the preparation of the food and provision of it. Bless that time of fellowship together, Lord. And may you guide us into the future you have for us. Lord, I pray for these students once again. That you would send them with power and in your presence into the week ahead. And I pray that there would be a mighty impact at their school even this week. For your name's sake we ask it. Amen. A couple quick announcements as they're finalizing things out there for lunch. Uh, just a quick report. Between the love offering that we received last Sunday and church action in conference after the service last Sunday, you as a church have uh, sent a total, a total uh, dollar amount sent for relief work in Ukraine through Samaritan's Purse of $11,000. And so we just give glory to God for allowing us to, to be part of what is going on there. And as Samaritan's Purse meets physical needs, they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will have lunch just shortly. Plenty of food, plenty of tables. Join us. Uh, again, this is a fundraiser for our summer youth camp as we fellowship together. If you forgot your checkbook or cash, you can give through our church app, and you can designate in there uh, how to do that. So we appreciate uh, that. Also, we encourage you to stay for lunch and after. Uh, we will be meeting our, youth pa our prospective candidate for youth pastor and his wife, they are in route probably just a few minutes out right now, so they'll come in while we're eating. Uh, after a few minutes, after you get done eating, we're going to come back into this room. So we're going to spend the afternoon together a little bit. Uh, they're going to introduce themselves, and uh, uh, he will share his testimony uh, with you all. Um, and so stay and meet Trey and Juliana Rogers this afternoon following lunch. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we will gather... Um, some of us in weakness after the Dean Howe week, weekend to pray, uh, to cry out to Jesus for his strength and for his ongoing work in our lives, 6 o'clock tonight. Wednesday evening, youth and children's ministries will continue this Wednesday at 6.30. Pizza starts at 6 o'clock. Next Sunday morning, very important couple things here about next Sunday. Next Sunday morning, conference immediately following the worship. There'll be one item of business. It'll be the presentation by the search committee, the official presentation by the search committee, uh, and of, of their, their candidate, Trey Rogers, for youth pastor, and the church's vote to call him. Next Sunday, uh, and, and so that'll happen right after church. In fact, what's going to happen is we're probably not even going to dismiss. We're probably gonna just going just gonna to close the service and roll right into that time give people just maybe 30 seconds to leave if they need to, and then roll right into that, um, that conference. 
Also, next Sunday will be the cake auction, uh, the annual cake auction to benefit our Children's Center Kid Camp. So if you're bringing cakes, see Leslie Gatana Glue. If you want to bring a cake, see Leslie Gatana Glue. Those cakes need to be here early, so get with her on the time. All the, the bids will be, be done at 11 o'clock. So at the end of that conference, results will be announced from here uh, at the end of the conference after church next Sunday. And uh, we just appreciate those who always do the bacon for the cake auction. It's amazing how much people will uh, donate for a good dessert. So if you know how to make one, bring one, and we'll uh, do that for the benefit of the Children's Center Kid Camp. Also, next Sunday evening from 6 to 8, uh, we'll have a youth bonfire up behind the pink pig and cherry log. Bring your camping chairs and blankets and uh, have a good time just fellowshipping there and um, hopefully spending some more time with um, Trey and Juliana. Any other announcements that I've forgotten? Surely not. If not, the food's been blessed. Y'all are dismissed and uh, into lunch. <laughs>